Hello and welcome. You are now listening to The Junk and Jam Hour, a live talk radio broadcast, a full 60 minutes of laughs, fun, and money. Well, maybe not money, but do take pleasure in the fact that you'll be getting to know someone new, like an artist, a musician, an author, or perhaps a silly clown. That's got to be worth something. Am I right? This is The Junk and Jan Hour, only on Radio Free Brooklyn. And now for your on-air host, Silly Clown, Christopher Albert. Hello there. Welcome. Happy Monday, everyone. I hope you are doing well and everyone is staying safe, whether it's you, your loved ones, colleagues, family, and friends. This is Radio Free Brooklyn. This is D Jungle Jam Hour on Radio Free Brooklyn. Now, Radio Free Brooklyn is the nonprofit community organization and freeform internet radio station streaming original content by New York City artists and broadcasters. 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the Junkie Jam Hour. It is my honor to use my platform to highlight and share the inspiring projects and imaginative contributions of today's most talented underground artists and entrepreneurs of all kinds. We do have a very special guest joining us via telephone. She is a native from New York, Long Island. Her extensive world travels, which began at an early age, along with her mixed heritage of being Persian and Japanese, have been instrumental in shaping her as an artist, not just an artist, but she's also a scholar, having received her BA with high honors in art history and fine arts from Hofstra University, where she also serves on the advisory board for the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences. She has earned her MFA from the Academy of Art University in San Francisco and has studied everywhere, Venice, Italy, Spain, and France at the Marschutz Academy of Fine Arts. As a contemporary abstract expressionist artist, she is known for paintings that combine metal and oil paint, which have been described as beautiful, playful, and iridescent, each piece of art offering an optical illusion that makes them seemingly look different, depending, of course, on where you are standing and what time of day you are looking at it. If that's not magic, I don't know what else is. All of her masterpieces reference the teachings of transformative art with a focus on light and energy, each spontaneous stroke serving as a vehicle for healing and channeling peace. We're going to find out more about that. She is globally renowned represented by galleries internationally and in the U.S., including uh, California, New York, Colorado, New Mexico, with exhibits uh, that have shown in Tokyo, Japan, and Ibiza, Spain. Now, as an educator, she has taught fine art at the University of California, Berkeley, and she teaches transformative art at the Harlem Hospital through the Artworks Foundation here in New York City. She is currently in pursuit of a more spiritual path. She is a primordial sound meditation instructor through the Chopra Center, as well as a certified Reiki master. Please help me welcome contemporary abstract expressionist artist, healer, educator, and author of Awakening the Paintings of Michelle Sakai. Miss Michelle Sakai. Hello, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you for the lovely introduction. <laughs> oh, well, it is absolutely our honor to have you. Aww, thank you. Thank you so very much. We hope you had a great weekend. And we hope uh, we this time finds you and uh, your loved ones in a safe place. Thank you. Yes. And hope you are too. Yes. Now, there's so much to cover. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we lost a few minutes, but you know what? You are where you belong, right? Thank you. 
you. Thank you for having me. So why don't we start this? I know you grew up traveling. Um, you you traveled to Japan to visit family, uh, growing up for the every summer for 20 years. Was that the first 20 years of your life? <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Now in Japan, you were you said you were inspired by the scenery, the culture of your grandparents' hometown of. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Kashiwazaki. Kashiwasaki. Right. A small, yeah, beach town. Tell us a little bit about that experience because I feel like, you know, as a child, you, you might not always be aware. You're just a child. You're just taking it all in. Were you aware at that age that your childhood experience was relatively more enchanted, so to speak, in comparison to others? Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, I think as children, we're just kind of, we, we're, we're more in the present and... Yeah. Um, right, we don't we don't know what's normal, what's not normal. We just know our own realities. And um, for me, that was growing up in Long Island and then spending about three months the whole summer in Japan and going to Japanese school, uh, spending time with my Japanese grandparents and living in a small little beach town, a little village, yeah. really. Um, and. It was very serene and having this dual life. Um, and then at the same time, I did grow up Jewish. So I was going to Hebrew school. So I was going to Japanese school, Hebrew school, American school and speaking all the different languages. Um, so it was quite an interesting, um, I guess, beginning. And um, I, I just thought it was it, it was the norm. So, well, it, 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 it obviously it should be. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but now you also, you know, just aside from just growing up and, and having such, you know, accessibility to culture and language and just this global world vision that you didn't know yet, of course. Um, but you also played the violin and grew up playing since you were three. Mm -hmm. Do you still play? <laughs> uh, once you, really, once no, you stop, you know, it's you're out of practice, right? Yeah, my energy, I, w I always grew up playing the violin and painting. It was both, it was always yeah. both in the house. And um, and then it was my first job. I started teaching students also in high school, violin. But then I, there came a point uh, in college, it was that I had to really choose one. I think yeah. if you really want to become a master in something, you have to give it all your energy. That's and right. So I went towards the painting, of course. Yes. And, and I feel like when we hear that, that, that you have to master something, especially if you want to be great at it. That doesn't necessarily mean you don't have other skills because all of those skills in your toolbox mm -hmm. go towards that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, how's your understanding of the performing arts and music? Did that reinforce your expression in visual art in some to some capacity? I think so. I think so. And from a young age, I was always creative. Like, every... Like, no matter what, I was going to do something creative. And um, I, that's how I think. That's how I see the world. It's very much, you know, with beauty. And um, I appreciate colors and all of these I things. I love that. So, um, that was kind of ingrained in me. And just how I expressed it was, you know, not much of a difference to me, whether it was through music or paint or dance. Um, so... I did all of that growing up. Um, yeah. I think the language I chose happened to be painting. 
Um, and I always, you know, I mean, I was drawing and painting forever since I could hold something in my hand. So <laughs> it was, it was something Look at that, that mural <laughs> in the yeah, living room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally, literally my mom. And back then they didn't have the magic eraser, so it was a nightmare for her. But, no, <laughs> um, I'll just leave it up for a few was, days. Exactly. But, you know, she was lucky. She was great. And she let me express myself and yeah. let me take every music class, every dance class. So I was I was super busy as a child and um, they didn't let me like not have a full schedule. So I had quite the tiger mom, um, okay. as they say. And so I, I was, you know, always, always expressing creativity. Were you the only child? I was not. I had a brother. Ah. I have a brother. He's. Yeah, he's two years older, and he also started the violin with me. But that's awesome. He um, he dropped it earlier, and I I kept going. <laughs> no need to shame him, Michelle. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean obviously there's so much to talk about. I feel like you know art in in all types of arts is just burdened with this idea of subjectivity. Um, when it should be about perception, right? Mm -hmm. What has been your process for you? You know, from, you know, you said you always had that paintbrush. What was that process? Obviously, I know you did music and you had to make a decision eventually. But, you know, what was that aha moment, I guess? You went from picking up a brush to it evolving into a full-fledged course of study and then the successful career of yours. Well, I was fortunate to grow up in a household where all of that was um, encouraged. Yeah. And my father was an art collector. I had beautiful art uh. in my home. Um, I was in, you know, I was going to art school. I had a private art teacher as well that, you know, graduated from the art yeah. academy in Moscow. Um, he had a big influence in, yeah. in you know, just, just teaching me even how, how to hold a paintbrush. So wow. I, was, I had that as a background. You would have had um, to be really just you would have had to work hard to push all of that away <laughs> to be something exactly. else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and having just the innate creativity yes, yes. Like, that wanted to come out of me, right? Like, yeah. So, I, you know, my parents, even before I played a real violin, I had a toy violin. Um, and I just actually thought of, that just came to me now. I forgot about that. Art um, imitates life. But yeah, so it, it really... Um, I think having that encouragement from my parents, yeah. that was huge. I think in today's world, it's kind of the parents want to steer their kids away from the arts. They don't think there's money in that. Yeah, know, I know. Well, well so, I, I want to talk to you about that yeah. coming up, but I want to mm -hmm. stay on your journey for a little bit longer. You talk about a little bit about, um, and, and, and I don't know if I've ever said this word before, but I'm going to say plain. Plain air painting, yes. <laughs> plain. Yes. Um, trying to say it n nice and light, like French. Yes. Now it's the act <laughs> it's of painting outdoors, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. You were well. I think you said you were once a practitioner of plain air painting, or do you still yes. practice it? How does that experience differ from studio creations, or do you still do so, both? Um, yeah. So I actually no. I kind of left that and I became an abstract painter. But that was a whole the, my beginning. Um, I was trained as a landscape painter, yeah. and I would work in the outdoors. And it was really the foundation for how I work today. And I always say it's like similar to music, right? Like if you are a church singer, you choir singer, and you 
you know, learn classical music yeah. at first and or you're an opera singer first, right? And then and then you start, you know, playing around with yes. electronics yeah. and you know, like then you have this strong foundation or right. you become a pop singer, right? And you know, how did Beyonce start, right? Like I think having like those strong foundation first always helps. And for me, that was my foundation was learning classical you know, painting, right. plain and plain air learning, romanticism, um, color, color theory, yep. an art history major. Love it. Um, having all of this as a strong base really helped me become the abstract painter I am today. And, yeah. I, and I wouldn't be if I didn't have absolutely all of those years in training. I mean, I I learned um, really like the old school way of. You know, being I would paint in the snow, in the rain. I would be timed. I had like several paintings going at once. I learned how to work with palette knife. I learned. I mean, it was it Just, was vigorous. And um, and then you know, going abroad um, and going to art school just for that. That was also a, a really deep training that allowed me to go further and break yes. those, those rules and those bounds. But it's like you can't really break those rules until you know what the rules are. You yeah, know? I, I feel like because I've, I've heard stories, I interview artists all the time. I'm an artist. By the way, I worked mm-hmm. I worked mm-hmm. opposite, by the way. I, I was trained in gospel and singing. Mm-hmm. So, and then mm-hmm. later on, I, my love, I, I love, I, w- I ended up training in opera and classical music, which I love. Mm-hmm. But that's besides the point. But I've heard people getting to a certain point for whatever reason and throwing it all away and and whether that's family or otherwise or to start this new vision or maybe they didn't have a plan to throw it away but they thought that they were putting it aside for a moment Mm -hmm. but then they never go back to it Mm -hmm. so for you i'm pretty sure you had challenges even though you know and obviously that's your job as an artist is to make it all look easy (laughs) (laughs) but um Um, Mm-hmm. Obviously, you kept going, and 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 that's not despite of your own fears or or your own judgments of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's been many times where that you know there are struggles, um, and I wasn't as in the flow as I am today. But I think um, being a creator, it's like I, for me, I couldn't stop creating. Like so. Um, I have to, I still have to do it for myself to, right. to, to live. Right. Like it's, right. It's, it's really what keeps me going every day. Um, and if I didn't have that aspect or that channel to, you know, for it to come out, to come out of me, I, I, that would be, um, that would be the biggest, you know, yeah. hardship for me. Um, but I did, yes, I did. I have been through it and, and it's not easy being a full-time artist, for sure, you wear your all, all different hats, and you have to, you know, be the driver of your ship constantly yeah. and be on constantly and um, well, if everything. It, if it's not you, I mean, who else is going to advocate like you can, right? Right. By the right. way, exactly. your work is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about transformative art. Mm-hmm. Now, your paintings, uh, as mm-hmm. you say, reference the teachings of transformative art, transformative art in terms of viewing art through the lens of constructive practice, inspiring change, 
uh, positively affecting others, whether it be cognitively or emotionally. People use it to bring truth to power, you know, visually expressing social, political, or ecological issues. What is it about your work that makes it transformative, one? <laughs> and two, what is, it your, what is your ultimate goal for others to take away from your mm-hmm. pieces? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I call it transformative art because, um, first of all, that's how I, I work. So um, I am a daily meditator. Yeah. I like to, I mean, I like, I like we said before, I started working in plein air. So I was painting landscapes and I was at that time in my life, for, you know, and teaching, that's what I would teach at Berkeley. I would, I, I would look at, you know, I would observe and then paint from what I see, whereas now I paint from the inside out. And I observe uh, my, you know, I can't, I go inwards to create, which is a very different um, starting point. Um, and therefore, I'm a really different artist now. And I, it allows me to really be, to get in touch with my current emotions, what I'm feeling, and um, expressing that, yes. which is very different from looking at a landscape and painting trees and oceans and or buildings right. and whatnot. Right, so, that's that's um, outward inspiration. But 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 even yeah. just to say that you are a different artist now makes you a different woman, makes you a different human being because you're growing. Absolutely, and every day I'm growing. And, and actually, yeah. when I work, it's like I don't really know what I'm going to make. And that, and people are like, "Oh, do you sketch it? Do you That's plan so it?" Free. No, I mean, I literally approach the canvas and just go. And just, I don't know what colors are going to come out. Yeah. I don't know what subject matter it's going to be. Um, I mean, there are times that I have an idea, but I want to say, like most of the time, it's not what's in my head. Yeah. So I really disconnect from my head, yeah. and I work more just from emotions and I call it transformative because um, I mean when I'm working there are times where I mean I go to really dark places because I think as humans we have all those range of emotions and if I'm going we like to shut off that valve sometimes yeah and and the whole point of it is not to when I'm working it's to really go there and not avoid and not you know, distract ourselves from what we're really feeling and going to those deeper places. And I, I literally just pour that out. As so would you canvas. say your and piece? Then, I'm sorry. It, that's okay. I, I was just saying that I, I mean, by doing that, it goes through all of those emotions and most of it, it transforms and it goes into a place of joy and yeah. love and peace, but you don't necessarily get to those places unless you Without. go through the harder you know, um, more the emotions that we don't want to feel. And so for, I call it transformative because I mean, I start, you know, I may go into tears of sadness, but then I get into tears of joy and it's literally, it's, it's all in there. And I think, and I truly believe that when people look at my work, they're connecting with those emotions because it's all, it's, it's emotions that we all feel and we all face and the fears that we all have as, as humans. I mean, we all come from the same place and we all end up in the same place. So it's, 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 you know, connecting with those deeper parts of ourselves and that is my that is what I aim to do is just connect and I think by connecting we're healing um, each other and I believe we're healing our inner parts I mean 
when I'm painting, I'm really healing myself. Yeah. But I believe that through healing myself, I'm healing other people because they're they're feeling the same pains that I'm feeling. Yeah. And um and I think, you know, as an artist, it's it's my way of expressing that because um, maybe the average person may not be able to express that in this right, way. Right. Right. And so, and and that's what that's one of your goals, right? I mean, you what you say art is healing right both it should be both healing to the artist and the viewer and i would say mm -hmm. that just you i guess with with coming to this place of having this beautiful piece of art that didn't just get there from like you said all these other happy or joyous emotions you had to first confront yourself mm -hmm. with, Absolutely. The, with these other and things that is the work that yeah And that is the work that I do actually at the Harlem Hospital with these children patients um, that I think um, as children, uh, if we don't ha allow ourselves to have those outlets and to, um, we all have trauma of some sort, yes. right? different variations and um, it, it gets buried. And then as adults, it's so buried that we forget about it. And yes. Um, subconsciously it comes out and, and it leaves our lives but we don't even realize that yeah. and so I think um, I've done transformative work with um, adults too with doctors um, and it's quite amazing to see you know someone bring brush to paper and go to those places because I mean when do we really every day get to sit and and ask ourselves well how do we feel we don't we yes. are working push it aside on our phones yeah carry we're, on, we're on carry we're along we're watching tv we're not we're not really sitting with our emotions or going thinking or feeling those emotions and that's why i love um doing what i do and being able to bring that to the children to the patients um and making something beautiful out of something yes. that may have brought us some pain so now You talk about getting to this place, of this new place, of not just being, but of also expressing it onto the canvas. What was so stifling about your art before that? Before that pivotal shift in your work? What did you feel? So, was Were you not, was obviously other than, you know, working with, with exterior inspiration? <laughs> yeah, I think... Um So painting in that way of, you know, traveling and being able to go to these beautiful sites, going to where Van Gogh stood and painted and, um, you know, other famous artists like Cezanne. And I went to in Aix-en-Provence and where I studied. And and I think um, in the beginning, it was really exciting. And I enjoyed painting the light. I enjoyed painting all of these beautiful landscapes. But after some time, It became quite repetitive, uh, and there's only yeah. so, way, so many ways to express right. free or express, right? And then at the same time as an artist, I found that it wasn't as fulfilling because I'm expressing something someone looks at and they're like, oh, that's pretty, right? Right. Um, but but <laughs> are, they, are they really connecting with it? I'm mm. not sure. And I found that um, I, hit a, I hit a wall as an artist and... Um, that limitation of being able to really express something deeper, which as artists, what we're hungry to do because artists right. are creative and we want, whether we're singers, dancers, whatever, we want to express what we're feeling. And, and when you can't express what you're feeling, it's very frustrating. And um, 
so I got to that point and then had to find a new way and said, let me just stop every and, and really put aside everything I know and just start from the beginning. And what am I left with? What comes out when you just put everything aside and just create to create, not create to have a goal, not create to be able to make something look like something, not having to make the building look like a building so that people know it's a building when they look at it. I mean, what what will come out if you just let yourself go? Yeah. And um, that's, you know, what I did after my master's in, in San Francisco, because, you know, being in an academy, you're told what to paint. I had to have a thesis. I had to have a, a right. concise body of theories that had to, you know, all go together and, you know, it had to have, and it had to be a certain way. So when I got, when I graduated was really when I broke free and that led me into my awakening series, which is That's what my book right. is called now. That's right. Um, and that was the series of painting skies and skies are abstract and it was the perfect bridge looking back now so that's when i started working with the metal leafing i brought in gold silver into my work um and that was the birth of this new body of work that i do now which is which is a kind of in between a landscape and an abstraction where people look at my work and they're like oh i kind of see landscapes you know but people see all different Sorts of things, which is what we want, that. right? I mean, you want them to yeah, interpret it, like not just do. visually, obviously, but there's there's some something that you want to stir into in someone, right? I mean, even if they mm -hmm. realize it or if they don't, right? And I and I really had a dis. I was not interested in abstraction. I never thought I'd be doing this. I mean, I. <laughs> I was so into the landscape. I, I mean, I really, I never in a million years thought I'd be an abstract painter. It, it's like what you say, that, that you're at this place of, you know, it, it's it's art from your soul, right? It's mm -hmm. it's letting go and really being free. And and, 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 and obviously in writing and in other arts, we just, we just say, write what you know. Why not paint what you know? Paint what you feel. It doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. have to be inspired from from the exterior. Now, obviously, I know you work with children and adults. I'm assuming, obviously, one of your practices yeah. is helping adults, yeah. you know, restore this curiosity of a child. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's talk about your work with children because I know you do work with, or you have done work with the Westchester Children's Museum. Mm -hmm. Together with the Westchester Children's Museum, you have conducted a hands-on workshop for children and their parents and adult friends, um, where they could create their own pieces of arts. Tell us a little bit how you teamed up with the Children's Museum and why was it important for you to take part in such a workshop? I've always loved working with, with kids. Um, I feel like, in a way, it's more of a gift to me. I just received so much from from the experience and I think we had, I think as, you know, as we all grow older, it's kind of um, it's something we need to all do and remind ourselves to remember what it was like to be like a child and connecting with being imagine, you know, being imaginative, um, not having so much fear and being more in the moment. Yeah. Um, and not have not being afraid to unnecessary worry. <laughs> yeah. And to fall down, you know, yeah. and we can get right back up. And so I think surrounding myself with them, actually, it's more of a gift to me 
and um, I could, I could, and I think it's something we need to do more is to connect, not only with kids, but you know, con- connecting with that part of ourselves that still that's still there. Yeah. You know? um, and then you know, being able to work with the transformative art um, and sitting down with them and having those experiences and um, sharing with them what the gift that art brings to me and create creation brings to me and sharing that with them and allowing them to express themselves. And um, we consciously go to uh, painful memories or any trauma and um, being able to put, put that into the pa- onto paper and express those feelings and we may not have to talk about it i don't a lot of times i don't ask them to share it with yeah. me i just say let's why don't we paint that and what does it look like if we were to express that but it's still paper? it's still a way of them obviously by expressing it it's still a way from them to start healing yes yeah, absolutely. And that's the same work I did at the Spiritual Center in San Francisco, where we painted our fears um, with doctors and, um, you know, some... Now, did you work with doctors doctor. on purpose? Was there like a point like, did you ever get to a point where, oh my God, maybe what they're painting is a cry for something else? Do they need more help or... I think... Um, a lot of the so some of the doctors I worked with were um, um, not to be morbid, but we would we would paint our fears of death and fears um, which we all face. Um, but being able to kind of sit there and face it, and it was I mean it was amazing to see these grown men like crying wow. while they're painting and um, and they've never painted in their lives you know and, yeah. and that's not the po- the point is not to make something pretty it's just the point is to reach to touch those parts of ourselves and reach those those um the fears and to bring that out and i think for them they have so much on their shoulders of saving lives yeah. and um they constantly have that pressure as well oh, wow. and then you know, they're not dealing with their own fears, right? Um, and so being able to, I think, uh, it was a, it was quite a release and a relief for them to, I think, bring that out of themselves and not having, and it was such a burden to carry that, I think, as doctors, because um, they are under that pressure of having to make people feel better. Right. And and, and, you know, it's 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 funny because obviously with 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 everything going now on now and and they're they're, they really and they always have been so have teachers always been essential to Mm -hmm. our our lives, our lives and livelihood. And I'm glad we're talking about this now because it's true. It's a big, um, you know, this pandemic is global and it's something every every human on this planet is feeling and the fear and so why not you know as an exercise just sit down and paint what that looks like or draw what that looks like that fear of what's happening right now and you know all the fears of becoming sick or the possibility of getting sick or fear of the death or fear and just painting that and allowing ourselves the channel to feel that and express it and it's quite liberating yes and you see even doctors and nurses taking part in 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 between when 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 they can and fun little creative things that they can do together 
And of course, yeah. when they couldn't see their children, you know, they were creating little works of arts and exchanging them and, and leaving little notes and things like that. Absolutely. Now, obviously, for, for their children, a lot of children have been stuck at home, right? For their safety, mm-hmm. for the safeties of others. People have been healing and coping through, well, well at least creatively, it, it can help to heal and cope. People cope through self-expression. Uh, for those parents who aren't crafty, <laughs> what are some of fun, you know, art activities that kids can do at home? Or do you have any recommendations so, or any ones that you've seen? Absolutely. or? Absolutely. So this is what I do at the Harlem Hospital. All I do is, I, I mean, you can find any paper. They sell it on Amazon, too. You can just buy some watercolor. It's the easiest thing, and it doesn't stain. It's water. It'll come right yeah. out. Um, it dries really quickly. It's so easy to work with. And I would just use some, or if you don't have watercolors and you can't order it, you could use crayons, um, markers, washable markers, and just ask your child to paint what they're feeling. Yeah. And not, you know, and, and it, it can start with something so simple like that, what they're feeling. And most of the time, when they start painting what they're feeling, then they actually will will remember them. So, oh, I remember feeling, they, you know, I would kids say to me, and it's so funny because the kids, they don't, they just tell you <laughs> what they're... Right. Well, no filter. <laughs> they'll, say, yeah, they'll say, the other day, daddy didn't come home yeah. and he came home later and didn't play, you know, the toy that I wanted to play with yeah. and we didn't get to play. And, and they're upset about it. And they'll remember what they were upset about, which is really funny because in the, they don't come in that way. They just come in, you know, may not thinking about it and then when I ask them what they're what they're feeling then they'll remember like two days ago mommy didn't buy the toy that I wanted or whatever and and then that will lead open the door and then they start talking about other things and then they'll remember bigger things so um it's like going to those places and say oh yeah and so why don't we paint that what how did you feel when you were when you were going through that how did you feel and then some of them don't want to share with me and some of them um, well, I guess I they, it gets to a point where obviously they don't understand it, but you know, it, it, it yeah. gets the big challenge too for people to get through child, child or otherwise is vulnerability in front of others, mm-hmm. right? Or, or mm-hmm. I guess Absolutely. they're worried about what it's going to look like or, <laughs> or what's going to come Absolutely. out. I love that Absolutely. you are not only an educator and a healer, but you're also a therapist. I just want, I think because I know what this has done for me and how much it's helped me, yeah. that's for me, like, I just want to share that because this is my own personal experience and I know how helpful and, and impactful it is for me. I mean, I've, I've never, you know, I think, um, this has been my therapy. It's been what's helped me go through so many ups and downs and, you know, really some dark times for me yeah. too. Um, and so having no, no, to know that it's really helped me in a deeper way is what I, I love that. Bring. So all to everybody. Now, have you, be- all been there. have you, now since quarantine, have you been able to see, uh, do you visit any, you haven't been able to go to Harlem hospital? No, I have not, yeah. but, um, I am doing lots of podcasts like this Yes, and, um, I am creating every single day. I, I love I've that. made so many new pieces already and they're all on my website um i've been able to just really just work on a new body of work and that's been really exciting (laughs) yes that is exciting i see now that was you know because 
that's always my curiosity. You know, you have this collection and obviously awakening other than the theme of, of it being skies and having that concept in there. Um, you know, since then you've done more paintings, right? So are you going to revise it or not? Or just maybe just start a new collection and publish a new collection? Yeah, so um, on my website, I've kind of split apart um, some of the styles and some of the works and series I've gone through. Right. And um, so Awakening, that I, even though the book came out this year, it took me a year to make the book. Yeah. So that was a compilation of 200 of my pieces along with my personal quotes. And all my personal quotes are quotes that I've written down while I've been working. Yeah. So it kind of, I'll have these little spurts of um, ideas and um, sayings and just thoughts and that's what I've written down and that's what I put into the book. So since the book I've, I've made, you know, probably another hundred uh, paintings that are not in there. So, um, and that's just in the span of three years. So, um, you know, or actually maybe four. So I'm constantly producing and, um, and, and I don't know um, what kind of what series you know come to me until right. I I mean because you're not I, planning it it's it's whatever happens right you know what I right. what I really love and, and thank you so much by the way for for sharing knowledge and, and, and sharing this gift of art with others thank you but but it's really amazing that when you have something and I know you mentioned it earlier but when you have something it's not just this platform it's not just this type of art no, it's it's not just for you. It's for others. It's how can this not how has this transformed myself, but how can this help others transform themselves and and maybe find themselves in this piece and then maybe inspire them to create something of their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think what's interesting like I've noticed through all these through the years of making art is that certain people gravitate towards certain pieces of my work. And it's what's interesting is like. I, because I know, only I know what maybe phase of my life, what I was experiencing when I was making that art. And most of the time, it reflects what they're going through. So it's, and, and I, I mean, I kind of laugh to myself because it's like no coincidence that they're drawn to that particular piece. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, and it's, it's, it is, it's funny because I believe everything's energy. And I say, I believe. Everything we touch creates our energy. Yeah. Intention and is energy. So, um, you know, whatever I was making and those feelings translate. They're like, you know, they're a fingerprint into it. And if they are a reflection of what I'm going through emotionally, spiritually, um, and they're connecting to that, whether they know it or not. Yes. So, so let's talk about your art real quick. Fine. You know, obviously it, it's, it, it fits still under however you describe it, um, whether it's abstract expressionism. It's fine art, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and for you, it's mm-hmm. about healing. But there are, you know, it's it's a big it's a big market. See what page is this? Mm-hmm. I have the number here somewhere. At least before the quarantine, it was like a sixty four billion dollar global market, right? Art, you know, pieces sell all the time, upwards uh, millions. Of dollars recently mm-hmm. in 27, uh, Salvatore Mundi, a uh, long lost painting that was thought to be painted by Leonardo da Vinci, was sold at Christie's for 450 million dollars, making it mm-hmm. the most expensive work of art ever mm-hmm. sold. Now, I'm assuming there are people who don't just 
collect for the you know nature of inspiration of a piece right it's it has monetary mm-hmm. value how do you how do you compete because obviously it's a very competitive career and even to break into the market it's, it's very hard for artists and most artists won't even sell pieces that are in the millions how do you compete against others in like this global industry that's so obsessed with money luxury fashion celebrity <laughs> you know and and most of them are just go to ultra what you know just wealthy buyers who compete for brand name artists mm-hmm. or for you do you not even worry about that so i think it's it's to say i don't worry about that i think would be i think you know we're living i'm living in this world of duality and um it's just learning how to balance yeah. everything yeah. right um and i think i've i learned quite early on that the more i focus on myself my creativity and what i'm making yeah that's then, what you can do you know i will attract the, the type of people um, that um, are attracted to my work and are right. attracted to who right. i am as a person um, so i am you know i've been I think there's no accident to say that my clientele are all such wonderful people. I mean, I always say I should have a party with all my clients. <laughs> I think they would all be friends. Um, they're all very um, mindful. They're people that want to um, that bring light to this planet and want to help those around them and, and themselves. They're all into self uh, growth. Um, they are. Um, you know, just people that are into wellness of their own. I being, love that. Um, Which is perfect, or, right? Yeah. I mean, if there was an audience for no you, accident. these would be these people. Yeah, and there's no accident because right. they are heal. They are they are people that want to heal themselves, others. I have lots of therapists. I have. I, mean, I have all kinds of. And I not to say I don't have any business. I have lots of business people as well, but they're still people that are positive outlook on life. They are yes. motivators. They are they are entrepreneurs that um, want to again bring entrepreneurs that want to bring good into this world. And um, I think we need. You know, I call myself a light worker. I want to bring more of that into and in, and in, in my little part. Um, you know, is is all I can do. So I think I do focus on that. And that's not to say you know. And and my art is expensive. But I knew early on that I was not going to be an artist that sold hundreds of paintings a year. I was going to be an artist that sold a few um, that were priced higher. Yes. And that's just that's just. But that's what just part of the market you're in, right? Now you have you have mm-hmm. galleries, you have dealers who sell your art, and mm-hmm. and that's a good place to be in as an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And. You know, and I think because I grew up um, being able to, fortunate enough to being able to travel and see the world and see so many countries, and um, I, I do, you know, I enjoy um, beautiful things, you know, and yes. I want to surround myself with beautiful um, pieces of art, of furniture, of you know, all kinds of things, and to enjoy the beauty is. I think so much part of my, you know, my existence here, and um, and so, you know, yeah. I, I like to support those other artists and yeah. um, and, and 
I just want to say, mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've seen pretty much all of your pieces online. Thank you for that. And obviously, what a time it has been um, to sell art, right? Um, especially since everyone is online for the most part at the at the moment. And you do. I, I've seen some of your work, whether, you know, it, it goes up to 30,000, but it, it, you know, it starts from 1100. I think that's affordable. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, if, if you really wanted to collect art, that's a good mm-hmm. starting point. Yeah, and my 12 by 12 started a thousand and it goes up from there. Um, and I don't really like my work. Um, you just, if you buy my art, it's, you're, you're not going to, I want it to look, I want people to buy it as an investment. I want them to have it yes. for their lifetime. I want them to be able to gift it to those they love, to pass it on to their children. Yes. Um, I'm not, I'm hoping that I will be a hundred and still painting. That's my goal. I love so, that. Um, I don't want, and, and I always say, I don't want people to like my art. I want them to love it. Love and it. I'm, I get, Feel it. you know, people, <laughs> yeah, to love it, to actually love it. And I get uh, messages from pe- from clients that's had my art for years and they say every day it looks different and I love they appreciate that. it more. And that just brings me, you know, so much happiness to know that. Yeah. And, 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 and just aside from being bright and you have gold and you have silvers, you know, when I first looked at it, I was like, oh, this does exude luxury, right? But the shimmer is not for that. It's it's obviously, like you said, it, it once you really get into an understanding. And I mean, obviously, it's different. I'm looking at it from a, a, a computer. <laughs> but I, I, I understand like, wow, this, this really can take you somewhere. I would say maybe more than you know expression or 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 transformative it it's really art that could help people escape somewhere else too somewhere fun somewhere oh, healing I, I appreciate that oh my god we it, time is just flying i have so much <laughs> i want to talk about we're going to have to do this again by the way <laughs> My pleasure. I so it's it's such a joy to speak to you and be on your platform. Thank you. Now, real quickly, I wanted to talk about inclusivity, real quick, for the disabled. I know that you know, like a lot of galleries and museums, you know, there are 285 million blind people and visually impaired people in the world, um, and generally, you know, if they have low vision, they um, experience art through you know whether it's audio descriptions or their friends, right? Their friends and family. Mm-hmm. And they're not always able to interpret pieces of art for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of innovative artists out there, though. There's 3D printing, um, which which mm-hmm. allow, obviously, for touchable versions of arts. There's a New York-based artist, another one. His name is Roy Nachum. And he mm-hmm. creates visual art for the visually impaired. We can see them, but when you go up to the paintings, they this art surface has Braille on them. And then, of course, there's tactile work, tactile art and tactile tours. I would, looking at yours, yours do seem textured. Some of them can seem textured. Are any of your textured pieces accessible? I mean, would you consider them, like if they're hanging in the gallery, would you make them accessible for vision-impaired art lovers to explore? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because we always say, don't touch the art. (laughs) Right, right. Well, so, um, so it's interesting you say that. So I have one, I have certain pieces of mine where the actual, the gold leaf actually comes off the canvas so that when, if there's a draft in the room, it actually moves. Oh. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah, and so it, it, it like flakes, you know, and it's it just shimmers. It happens with the material. Know. Yeah, and and I and so some of my work I do that purposely, especially the small twelve by twelve. I I do that because they're a lot of fun. Um, and then I have some pieces where the gold leaf is actually fixed on, and it won't come. It it doesn't come off if you touch it with your hands. Yeah. Um, and and then the paints I use are I do work quite thick, so you you know you can touch that. So um, I, I would do a specific series um, that didn't you know if you went up and touched it with your hands where the gold leaf wouldn't come off. Right. Um, and some and again most of my pieces are that way anyway, so um, that would be fine. And and you know what again like. Who knows what is going to come out? I feel like technology with technology, there's constantly new things, yeah. and and since I hope hope and plan to keep being creative and doing this work for the long run, who knows what technology will come out that I could that I can play around with and explore and see if there's new things that I could bring. I'm also um, on the side creating, um, producing a Broadway show as well. Oh, that's amazing. So, um, hey. So that's a whole. Oh yeah, that's a whole. That hopefully, with uh, that this this whole thing will pass and um, Broadway will be back up, right? Yes. Um, but that's another outlet for me. But going into going back to the um, um, the disabled that you were speaking about, I, I'd be you know I'd be interested in seeing um, what what you know technology wise comes out that we can. I can start exploring. Yeah. Well, I know they, they started making um, actually 3D touchable versions of like the Mona Lisa mm. um, and other yeah. works of art like that. So it's it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. obviously the need is there. So, you know, and, and artists are always resourceful. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is true. Well, thank you so very much for joining me, Michelle. And I hope I pronounced your name correctly, Michelle Sakai. Yes, Michelle Sakai. Yep, perfect. Thank you for so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Now, for anyone who is interested in finding out more about you and to seeing your gorgeous, meaningful work, um, you can visit Michelle at www.michellesakai.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-S-A-K-H-A-I.com. Again, she's also done other interviews. You can find out at michellesakai.com um, slash podcasts. Uh, we can find you on Instagram, Michelle Sakai Art. Yep. And of course, we could always get in touch with you by just simply hashtagging you, transform your soul. <laughs> yeah. Which I love that you're helping other people do. And for everything we do here, uh, you can find us on RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. And for everything I do, you can find on JuckandJam.com. Thank you so very much for sharing your time and insight with us, Thank Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was wonderful speaking with you. Thank you. Absolutely. We wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so very much for spending your afternoon with us. Thank you. This episode and all episodes of the Junk and Jam Hour can be streamed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeart Podcasts, Google Play Music, and simply tell Alexa, play the Junk and Jam Hour. Thank you.